A New York jury in federal court convicted an Adidas executive, a consultant, and a recruiter for wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud for paying college recruits. Professor Michael McCann discusses the case in Sports Illustrated and here. This is the UNH Law Podcast. Learn more about the law school and apply by visiting law.unh.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire. So, Mike, this is a really interesting case with involving college sports, a huge corporation, and criminal charges. What exactly is going on with this? Yeah, that's right, AJ. So this case involves Jim Gatto, an executive at Adidas. In addition, Merrill Code, who was a consultant for Adidas, and then Christian Dawkins, who did work for an NBA agent. And the three men have been convicted of fraud and conspiracy charges. And the basic takeaway of this case is that these three men facilitated money going to elite college recruits who played basketball. And the money was directed to encourage those players and their parents to have those players go play at colleges that are affiliated with Adidas. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and in addition, the the hope is that these, for, for the payments, is that the payments would make the players more inclined when they go to the NBA to sign shoe contracts with Adidas. So the defendants in this case thought, okay, th- these these are clearly violations of NCAA rules. There's no question about it. How is this a crime? And the defense basically argued there's no victim here. And the, there's no victim, they argued, because the player and or his parents are getting money. The college is getting an elite player who will help the school win games and generate accompanying revenue. And also... We know that teams with with great sports do well with admissions because you have high school students that want to go to a school that has big time sports. And then you get alums who are much more likely to give money when their teams are doing their college teams are doing well. So it looked like the schools benefited too. Uh, the shoe company gets better access to uh, a player that may go to the NBA and the agent gets a new client. I mean, everyone seemed to to be a winner here except the NCAA whose amateurism rules are betrayed by these activities. But the defendants said, well, that's not a crime. That That's an NCAA rule violation. But the government, and, and in truth, when you're charged with a federal crime, the federal prosecutors win between 90 and 95% of the time. <laughs> so it's really, it's a nightmare, right? Yeah. If you're charged with a federal crime, your instinct is usually try to find a plea deal. Exactly. Because if you go to trial nine times out of 10, you're losing. Th- these federal prosecutors are so good at their job and they're they're really adept at taking what the defendant did and convincing the jurors that the activity falls within the boundaries of a criminal statute. So even though here this is sort of an innovative way of looking at fraud and conspiracy, the prosecutors succeeded. And also these are prosecutors from the Southern District of New York. Many would call that the elite of the U.S. attorney's offices. That's sort of the top. Now, I mean, you know, I think there are some great U.S. attorney's offices across the country, but uh, clearly these were uh, excellent prosecutors and and they they convinced the jury. So uh, these three defendants will be sentenced to prison. They'll probably get between two and five years. We'll see. But adding to that, there are two other trials like this, one in February, one in April. And the one in February involves Chuck Person, 
who was a former NBA player and also a college assistant coach. And then in April, there are several others that are going to trial. So now we may see them try to cut deals before they go to trial. Yeah, they've seen they've seen the writing in the wall at this point. It's pretty obvious and not good. <laughs> they definitely don't want to go to federal prison. No. Now, were the colleges aware at all that this was going on? Yeah, I mean, that, that's the defense of, well, how is this a mystery to these schools? Yeah. How do they think these recruits suddenly decided to go there? Mm-hmm. Are, are they that naive? Are they that ignorant? The executive, the the leadership of these universities. But the prosecutors were very adept at arguing, one, we don't know that they that they knew about it. And secondly, they were adept at arguing that the interests of the coach, who clearly knew about it, were disparate from those of the employer. Because the employer of the university, the prosecutors argued, is a victim of fraud yeah. because they are enrolling students who are ineligible. And those scholarships and financial aid packages could go instead to those who are eligible. And if the school gets caught, then they could face a bevy of NCAA punishment. So not to mention, imagine have implications for accreditation. Also. Potentially, right. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. That's a very good point. I mean, that's a side issue that uh, could end up being very important if you have uh, persons who are <laughs> eligible funding. <laughs> receiving federal funding. So, you know, the, the defense argument, the defense lawyer said, well, wait a second, how do they not know and they would take the chance because if you have a great basketball program in college, you'll generate all this revenue that's worth the risk. But the jury felt that the prosecutors were right. Are there have there been any actions taken taken on the school levels against the coaches? Some of the coaches have left, and the NCAA itself will probably get involved. I would imagine at some point. My understanding is that they're probably waiting until these trials are over. And there will be appeals as well. The defendants that were just convicted will appeal. If the NCAA gets involved, then that could lead federal investigators to potentially lose some good sources because now you have people that are going to be worried about NCAA punishments that aren't currently worried about them. And this this kind of just brings up all over again the deal of um, college athlete compensation. The just train keeps rolling with these cases. That's right. And this is... You know, the the larger issue here is that college athletes are heavily restricted in what they can get for their services. They're restricted to the grant and aid, which includes tuition, room, board, uh, full cost of attendance, but it's limited. And there are NCAA rules that limit the grant and aid. So colleges can't compete. You know, you can't say, well, Notre Dame's competing with Georgetown and UCLA and Miami or pick your schools they can't compete beyond the cap of athletic scholarships. And and there's now a case called Austin versus NCAA, and Judge Wilkin out in California will will render a decision soon about whether or not that's legal to to prevent colleges from competing because we know colleges compete in all sorts of ways for college athletes, right? They 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 build massive stadia, they build uh, training facilities, they hire coaches that make multi-million dollars. Uh, many millions of dollars per year, and yet they can't pay the players, right? So they're they're clearly spending a lot of money, just not going to the players. And that's an interesting issue. So you're right that the issue of athlete compensation, and then as a side issue that sort of fits into this larger discussion is that the NBA announced that G League players who are 18 and who would otherwise go to college for a year and then leave for the NBA can now skip college and go to the G League and make $125,000 
for what amounts to about five months of work. So we'll see if some of them take the deal. Uh, it will be interesting to see if you're a, if you're an elite high school player, do you go to the G League and make 125000 for five months, which is appealing. On the other hand, you're going to be competing against grown men. Yeah, and, you kind right? of lose that up you of can lose four that years. Up. Yeah, you that's could, a lot. That's a lot of experience. You could get exposed, yes. right? Say you're not that great. Yeah. Say you go to the G League and you're playing against guys that are 25 and much more built, much more seasoned. Say you get exposed as being not the hype that you would have continued to maintain had you gone to college for a year. Maybe you your draft stock falls. So it's interesting days ahead. What about Adidas? I mean, what are what are is their say in all this? So Adidas has said they're they're going to cooperate with any prosecution, any rule changes. They have distanced themselves from it. And and in truth, Adidas as a company is not a defendant. I mean, this is about a couple of employees. Now, did they know? I mean, you know, there's sort of there's a larger question about what was an executive really just operating as a maverick who wasn't under any direction. I think we can be skeptical about that. But as of now, the company has said that it will cooperate. And I think being honest about it, I mean, I, I doubt Adidas is the only company in that space that is engaged in these kinds of activities. I mean, I think if we start digging, we'd probably see that Adidas isn't alone. Uh, but a couple of their executives got caught, uh, one executive and one consultant. So you know, it's interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's an enormous corporation. I mean, there's no way around it. I mean, it's they're publicly multinational, traded. publicly traded. Right. I'm sure they're hoping that there's no other threats on that because that wouldn't be good. And then it would probably be an SEC issue. Potentially, yeah, because you could have mismanagement of funds. And if, and if shareholders are, uh, you know, were duped into thinking mm -hmm. that the school, that the company was engaged in honest practices, but wasn't. Yeah, there are a lot of threats to this that could play. What about the tax implications of taking money under the table? I mean, that's yeah. taxable. If you get, if I pay you hundred thousand dollars, you know, the IRS and the New Hampshire uh, Treasury is going to be knocking Whoa. on the door, saying, "Well, what is that?" <laughs> I guess we don't have an income tax in the state, but the, there's a federal income yeah. tax. So, uh, you know, there are a lot of threats to this. And, it, it, and I'd imagine these executives weren't sending any official documentation that they no. necessarily gave them either. No. So, which could, once again, Adidas might be having some questions again. Wouldn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me. A link to Professor McCann's article on sportsillustrated.com is in the episode description. Also, follow him on Twitter at McCann Sports Law. Be sure to subscribe to the UNH Law Podcast on your favorite podcasting platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire.